Welcome to the Zwift SBS Cycling Podcast. Historically, women's cycling hasn't had the support that it deserves. But like a super domestique bridging across to a breakaway, Zwift is helping close the gap and is calling on fans to watch the Femme and support the women's peloton take on the Tour de France Femme Avic Zwift. Zwift is also giving you the chance to win a VIP bike tour to watch the race live from the roadside as well as ride some of France's most iconic roads. The Tour de France Femme Avic Zwift. For your chance to win and to have fun doing it, just join the hashtag new rules mission and ride 100 kilometres in-game between now and the 15th of May. For more information on the competition or to dive in and start riding with a free seven-day trial, head to Zwift.com. And just like Christoph and Macca make this podcast fun, Zwift is the app that makes indoor training fun. Ride on and watch the Femme. Bonjour, bonjour, bonjourno. Welcome to the uh, Zwift SBS Cycling Podcast. Uh, before we start, let me remind you that you can uh, download, stream or subscribe to our podcast on our website, sbs.com.au slash sport. Or you can, of course, log a ride with our friends here at Zwift. Joining me is this man here, Dave McKenzie. How are you, Dave? I'm pretty good. I can't believe. I think we're up to episode six. I know. This is crazy. And plus a rest day. So that's actually the seventh episode. Crazy, crazy like talk. This. Crazy talk. It's flying along, but we that's what always happens on Grand Tours. I hope you're having fun. Last night was another, turned out to be actually a bit more exciting than what we expected before yep. the start. We'll 100%. get into all of that. So far, so good though. Yep. It's, I'm loving this. It's let's been a good race. Let's what? Let's welcome our guest. Yes, let's bring her on. <laughs> She's here. Bridie O'Donnell. How are you, Bridie? Buonasera. Non c'è male, ma sto stanca. Looking all corporate today, Bridie. I must say. Yeah, I'm pretending to have a job. I think it's important yeah. <laughs> to dress for the job that you want. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's good. So, yes, it was a French win yesterday. I was waiting been... <laughs> for it, Bridie. I was waiting for it. No, well done. Look, at the end well, of the I've day... Been, I haven't done much, to be honest. But... He was... <laughs> he, he climbed the best... And he was better than the rest. Yeah, uh, <laughs> here we go. Shall we have a look at how this whole sprint unfold? And then we uh, go back and we uh, talk about this whole stage yesterday. This is Mark Renshaw with the finale. That's a huge moment for Matthew Vanderpool. He's been caught over the wheel. Israel Premier Tech coming back through the bunch after his lead out. He's got caught over the wheel. Had to hit the brakes. Once you hit the brakes in these races, 500 metres to go. There's no chance of saving this stage for Matthew Vanderpool. Have a look where Arno Damar is sitting here. He's in second wheel. He's got one last teammate taking him to the finish line. Further back, Ballerini in the wheel. But take a look, where is Fernando Garviria? He's currently boxed in, caught up in the wheels. If he wants to go, he's gonna to have to make an opening, squeeze through and try and challenge for the victory. This moment here, it's getting so tight. Three or four riders back from the front of the peloton. You've got Girame, he's stuck on the barrier. Fernando Garviria coming together with Consoni. It's shoulders, it's handlebars bouncing together. 200 meters to go and it's Girame. He's basically touching the bottom of this barrier. Definitely not the place you want to be, 200 meters to go. Showing his inexperience. He's definitely, he's a young rider, very exciting. He's happy to take the risks, but this one was huge. If you go down at this moment, there's multiple riders that crash. Arno Damar, he's waiting to jump. He can feel that the wave's coming. He feels that the riders are coming next to him. As we see Ballerini jumps, he waits that little bit too long. For me, very risky. He jumps out to the right. Ballerini gives him room, but fast finishing Garviria. He tries to take the wheel, tries to get some slipstream, but it's too late. Arno Damar, he jumps with too much power. 
takes that one bike length in front and they're not able to peg it back. Super fast finish, very dangerous final. And after the finish line, we had another brief moment where we nearly saw a crash. Fernando Garviria, you can see the difference in emotions here. Garviria, furious that he's got caught once again in the wheels. Didn't get to challenge Arno Demar for the victory. Demar, still he's got his salute. He's come down, he's just caught it before Fernando Garviria has taken his handlebars from out from underneath him. But it was this man who took the win, Arno Demar. We gave him praise all stage, super powerful, up and down, very clean rider. All in all, what an amazing sprint. Definitely got my heart rate up. Give us a comment. Love doing these Le Finale videos. That was the sprint yesterday and a great job by uh, Mark Renshaw doing this analysis uh, for us. Uh, what can we add on, uh, on this whole sprint? No, look, I think he's, he's sunk it all up, didn't he, Bridie? And for me, it, was, it started before that. It was the climb that was the difference. That was the crunch point. Damar actually got dropped, but immediately his group armour teammates dropped back and waited. And granted, he actually, for a sprinter, he climbs, you know, better than most other sprinters. Uh, that are of his calibre. Um, but but Caleb, the Lotto Sudal guys, one guy went back, then two more went back, then three more went back. They should have all gone back at once. It was too late. Cavendish, um, you know, he was similar, but he, uh, his quick-step teammates all went back at once. But DeMar's team rallied. They rallied mm -hmm. around him and they delivered him. It was a brilliant, I thought, team effort. Yeah, agree, Macker. And God, how organised it was. And even some of that footage showing Scotson, uh, you know, taking some time to look around, that shows such composure and maturity. But you're absolutely right as well around Lotto's, um, they just dragged their heels a bit about what to do. They were a little indecisive, or maybe they hadn't discussed it and said, when you get dropped, we will do this. Whereas with Cav, at least you know he doesn't have any shame about the fact that he's probably going to get dropped because when I get dropped, you know, I want to see five or whatever it was come back and get me there's and there's two key things out of that as well if you analyze it a bit deeper and christoph you made the good point if the lotto riders had have immediately waited for caleb immediately stopped on the side of the road and waited for him because he actually had a mechanical to be fair to caleb we didn't know this until post stage yeah. he had a mechanical at first and then the hammer went down and he was already changing his wheel or bike so if all of the lotto riders had awaited first, they would have been a lot closer to Cavendish group, the quick step group. Exactly. They would have been a team I, of 10 yeah. chasing back rather than two teams of five. Um, and there was another point, but I've forgotten it. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that, that's the actual point. They, they, they actually waited at, but way too late. Yeah. And, and yeah. That's, I think that's what you guys are, were saying as well yesterday. And you're spot on, Brady, indecisive. In, in those moments, and you know, as well as me, that it, you don't have two or three minutes to think of, let, let's think about it and then we'll make a decision. You've got to make the call right for, for the right reason or the wrong reason. You have to make a call and then live with it at the, at, um, the end of the day. But in, in a way, Brady, actually a question for you on this. Uh, how do you change this? Because then what, what were the discussion yesterday, do you think, in the Lotto team after this? Where was the mistake? Are they talking about getting him dropped too far away? Are they talking about we didn't wait for him, we didn't go and collect him? You know, what, what would have been that shot in, a, in the bus yesterday? I think it's a bit about clarity of who's the road captain and who's the leader. If Caleb's the leader and is trying to win the stage, he also needs to have some sense of what he wants his team to do. He needs to be able to say, I will get dropped. I want you to be around me immediately. You know, I want this, I need that. That, that actually takes a fair bit of 
um, confidence to be able to admit that you're a great writer, but you don't have a strength here. It also sometimes can require a bit of arrogance to say, you will do this, you will do that. So it all, everyone would need to agree. You can imagine that happening in the quick step alpha vine and bus. Everyone knows he's going to get dropped. Everyone agrees he could win. They all do the thing. I just think that um, Caleb, while I'm sure he's assertive, he's not that same dominant personality. But it also, as you, it requires whomever is the road captain, whether that's Kluger or another rider, needs to also say, hey, everybody, let's do this. So it's two, there are two key people there who need to make that decision and the team director in the car saying, everybody, everybody we can see has been dropped, where are you? So th there's just, it's interesting there. It's just less precision and a little bit less, um, uh, you know, what we call a pre-mortem. What will go wrong? Yeah. You should yeah. be talking about that before the race. What's likely to go wrong mm. and how will we mitigate it? Yeah. Uh, so it's it, actually a quick question yeah. here because we've got a question from Stuart here. Uh, that he says, uh, can you tell us a bit more about the Lotto Sudal status as a World Tour team? Because we know they are craving for points. They're, and, they're, and, I can't give you specific that the question. But, Sorry, who's uh, the but, question from? Uh, Stuart, but how does that Stuart. work? Because now they need points to stay afloat in that, in that, the, in that the, league. The equation is simple, Stuart. They need to start winning. They need to start winning and amassing points so they do not get relegated. Um, and, and as Mark Renshaw was pointing out last night, and I'll admit I haven't paid a huge amount of attention to this variety, but we believe, you know, the rules are changing. Uh, uh, you know, they have changed from five years ago, from 10 years ago, and now there is a relegation system. Yeah. doesn't matter on your budget. If you don't have enough points, they will get relegated. Lotto Sudal are one of the, the longest-running teams in professional cycling mm -hmm. history. They've been around a long, long time. Uh, this would be huge news and it would be pretty devastating for the squad and for the sponsors. Yeah. So 100%. they need to start winning. And I've remembered my point, if I can just say. <laughs> let's let's re rewind. Can we just rewind and start again? No. It's, not, it's not like it's live or anything. You know? <laughs> my brakes work better than that, Bridie. <laughs> um, no one else on Lotto Sudal was going to win that stage yesterday. Yeah, sure. No one, And that's not a criticism, it's just a fact. No one had the capability of winning except Caleb, and that is why else they immediately should have dropped back. Whereas, contrary to Quickstep, Ballerini stayed in the front group because he actually is pretty handy in the sprint, and we saw that he ran top four, top five. Mm -hmm. So, as you pointed out, Brody, Quickstep had a real plan in place. They knew a plan A, plan B, plan C, and what were the actions to, to, to decide um, if these things happened. Whereas Lotto, it was like they made it up on the fly. And can I go back to Stuart's question as well? Because you made a great point, um, Macro, about that, it, that it's not about big budgets anymore. You can't coast along in the World Tour. You've got teams like Albus and Phoenix was not a World Tour team two years ago. Intermarchi wanted Goubert. Yeah. You know, look at that team in terms of budget, people. Gourmet is a guy no one had ever heard of six months ago. These are hungry riders, literally mm. and metaphorically, uh, very mm. hungry sponsors. And here they are now thinking, could we get a wild card for, for Tour de France? What might that mean? That elevates more investment. We can buy a more mm -hmm. expensive rider. And we've all seen this, how it works with Premier League and football, etc. Um, so you can't just coast along. You've really got to contest these wins. And it would be a big yeah. shame job for Lotto to not be in the World Tour. Yeah. And it's good for the sport. Yeah, well, I, think yeah. I don't want to see Lotto relegated. And, you know, I think we can all say we're a bit biased. I want to see Caleb in the World Tour. And, the only and thing I would say is it would best. be interesting to have a bit more info on it because it's not yeah. like UCI is publishing a league, a table. It's, it's not like... Aren't they? 
I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, they are, they're pretty. Well, it's not in front of my face. The information so. <laughs> doesn't come thick and fast from the UCI. Okay, do you know what's good, guys? That. You're good because you diverted that discussion from a French win. This was a French win. <laughs> I rang Brighty before and said, listen, he's going to want to just go on and on about this. No, Let's just but it's the Jeu d'Italia. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but Brighty, a French Major win. Costa Poco. A French win <laughs> on Italian soil is even better. Uh, mm. They can win anywhere. Soldi, French soldi, win soldi, on Italian soldi, soil. Like. It's, you know, it's like, you know, you guys going to win in New Zealand or something, or in, in England. This is a bit like this. Understand, yeah, well, understand. You know, anyway, let's listen from the winner yesterday, Arno Nebar. Yeah, I'm very happy to win this stage like this in the, in the Giro, my first win of the year. It was a, a difficult day, but the sprint went well and it was uh, pretty fluid, even if from the outside it looked a bit chaotic. Uh, the guys did a, an awesome job, I was patient to launch the sprint, so yeah, I'm super happy. Wait a minute, that didn't sound like Demar. You caught me there. You caught me there. It's a one-man job, this show. That's know? like a dad joke, isn't it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's a bit of a dad joke. <laughs> we should revise the budget for acting. Like, you, did, you did a bit of acting lesson on this one. <laughs> Pretty poor, was it? I just, it had to be done. It had to be done. But, yeah, that was my voice. But that was the words of Arnaud Demar. Uh, so we have a few questions here, and then we'll come back to, to this. But I want us to concentrate a little bit more on Miles Scottson. We spoke to Miles Scottson uh, before the, the start of this Giro, and he explain uh, his role and his role in the train but yesterday this was thrown on its head basically Maka. it was thrown on its head and Brady, kudos to you because you you saw this obviously in the race because you mentioned it before Scottson was off the front he came around that final corner 800 meters to go you can see he was in the front look at him he's looking over his shoulder looking over his shoulder he's got Consoni on his wheel who is quite a rapid finisher in his own right Scottson did not have his teammates. He waited until they got up to his wheel. Then he decided to go. By then, his teammates had momentum. He swung off and got out of the way. He didn't do much, Brighty, did he? Like, he, he got lost from his teammates, but he still played a key role because he balked Consoni in that lead out. He had a gap, and he potentially could have attacked out of the corner. But he played the ultimate team role and waited until his teammates got to his wheel then he got out of the way. And it was just that it's those little subtle things that make the difference. Your eyes are better than mine. I didn't see the balking, but that, you're absolutely right. That was really impressive. I think that um, the thing about Scotson, we know he's a great time trollist. Um, we know he won the national championships in Australia five years ago. By kind of doing that, he literally accelerated mm. away from an incredibly fast finishing um, men's professional peloton down Mount Buninyong. And he's just got... Great leg speed, um, great core stability, you know, looking around at 65, 70 kilometres an hour to see where his team leader is. But what I like is also he probably never contemplated that he could win that. He's not sort of a, a showman who thinks, oh, here I am, I accidentally won the stage. He would have absolutely been on Project Demar uh, to mm. try and get him up for the win. So not seeing him on the wheel, he would have immediately reverted. And that's where the brain of a domestique versus the brain of someone who might be in a contract year and thinking about what they're going to do next, you know, it's understandable to be selfish as a rider. Most riders don't win very often, but Scottson showed selflessness and it was really impressive. Yeah, yeah. and he mentioned in the, the chat I had with him as well before the, the Giro that the focus is really to get Demar on the scoreboard because he hasn't won anything until yesterday for the whole year. Since 2019, Since his last yeah. World Tour win was at the Giro. Yeah, and he won yeah. Paris Tour last year. 
He won yeah. Paris Tour last year, but that's the last win. I think that was in October or November. It's not World Tour anymore. No, it's, it's, not a, it's anymore. a decent bike race. But, but still, yeah. like he hasn't had a, anything on the scoreboard this year. Mm. So the, the, the aim was to get Arnaud Demar a win of some sort. And then they will concentrate on something else and probably something else being the, the jersey. But the target was to get him this win. But the important fact as well is the fact that uh, the main lead for Demar was lost in back in a, in a group with Cavendish. So Scottson had to change his position. He had to change his role yeah. at the last minute. That's probably why he probably was a little bit off bit and caught off guard. I, I reckon it in, was. In well, it was a real um. Uh, well, because you didn't have the Lotto train or the Quick Step train, and the Quick Step really is the dominant train at this year's race. You can argue. So it was a little bit of chaos flying into those last couple of corners, mm -hmm. and there was no real organisation there. And um, but again, you're spot on, Brady. And I only wish that I could have arrived 500 metres from the finish line of a Grand Tour stage in front of a peloton <laughs> looking over my shoulder. <laughs> going, oh, I'm going too fast. And I, might have been <laughs> and I might have been a bit selfish, by the way, just quietly. <laughs> yeah, oh, I'm going too fast. I have that problem all the time. <laughs> uh, we still have Lopez in pink. Uh, that's probably unlikely to change for, for a few days uh, even from now. Uh, let's listen from uh, the leader of this race. Hey, how is life in the Maria Rosa? Ah, incredible, no? Uh, no, I don't believe the moment. Uh, it's my first day of my life with the Maglia Rosa. Have uh, many riders uh, spoken to you in the bunch today about uh, this Maglia yeah, Rosa? Yeah, a lot of riders say to me, congratulations, enjoy, enjoy the day, enjoy the moment. I'm for sure I enjoy the moment because it's one of the best days of my life. And you also showed the Maglia Rosa close to the finish. What were you trying to do? What, what? You were at the front of the peloton or close yeah. to the front of the peloton. Uh, only for staying safe without crash. I tried to stay in the front until 4K. We now have a roundabout in the last 5K, a little bit dangerous. I, stay to st I tried to stay in the front and when I saw it, it's, I survived. I dropped a little bit, stay in a good position. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. He's in pink. I like I, it. He I says, love... how is life? Beautiful, no? <laughs> yeah, it's beautiful. That footage that we saw the previous night of just sobbing, so much sobbing and so much of a dream realised. And Tina, you put a great message in there. It's true. For for some of these riders, it, it is literally a dream to wear the Maglia Rosa or the Maya Jaune. And here he is in it. Um, and for a team that is a really strong, hard-working team, but they kind of didn't necessarily... They've got Bakamolomo who's been performing well, but no real super fire star power and he even looked a little bit disappointed on it when he didn't win the stage or you know whatever the deal that they did with with his friend Kamnar so I don't know it's just wonderful it's very romantic to see how much this means for these riders and I said during the comms last night Bridie and Christoph that, that it's his second day or his second yeah second day on the podium yeah. collecting the the Magliarosa. the first day would have been an absolute blur it, it is just a blur. He would have got up. He would have got the jersey. He would have been shoved and pushed in front of cameras, yeah. in front of interviews, team, fans. And suddenly he would have been back at the hotel, lying in his bed, saying, well, what just happened? Whereas now, yesterday and, and la yesterday after the stage, he, got, he would have got to enjoy it. And that time would have just slowed down a little bit. Yeah. And he would have soaked it up and in even more. And you could see post-stage post that interview. He was. He was a bit more... He was excited, but he was like, wow, 
now I'm really enjoying it. And he, like you say, he should have it for a couple more days, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, here's the classification. So we see he's, uh, he's unchanged. Kamna is still here. Tamara is still here. Simon Yates is still fourth. Uh, and we've got, of course, uh, Kelderman, Almeida, uh, Port, and Bardet uh, closing out this, uh, this uh, top 10 of this Giro d'Italia 2022 uh, for now. Uh, I mean, overall, it was an interesting stage. And the funny fact is, the funny fact is that we didn't think that could actually be. We thought, oh, maybe it could be a little bit dull and it's all going to be up to the corner at 700 meters. But it wasn't. <laughs> well, when was the last time, Brady, we saw a stage unfold where you had a peloton charging with 100 kilometers to go and two sprinters out the back, but separately, not together, chasing like it was a drag race for 50 kilometers i don't think i've seen that for a long long time yeah i can't recall seeing it either maca and and two such big names that everyone would have mm. tipped and we we thought that they might be um, disadvantaged of course by a climb of that nature but damar had been as well so maybe everyone thought oh well he got back on so it was so mystifying i mean this is what the giro brings us all the time really unpredictable outcomes often really inclement weather or just things we did not expect, sometimes from road furniture, sometimes from riders' legs, whatever it is, but it was typically atypical. Mm-hmm. It, it's spot on, spot yeah. on. It's the Giro. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so we reached the city of Messina yesterday and uh, we were talking about Messina uh, a bit earlier on. It's been pretty affected uh, in history. 1908, there was a massive earthquake. Yes. Actually, the strongest earthquake ever recorded in Europe. Ever. 80,000 uh, people died Died in 1908 earthquake. There's a 12 meter, yeah. the sea opened up by 12 meter in the middle and there's a tsunami that got and destroyed the whole city in 1908. And this was after the earthquake. Oh, no, it's crazy. Yeah. When it Kudos. Started. It was your, it was your, it's my knowledge it was your knowledge. <laughs> I was aware of something and we did touch on it yesterday. I didn't know it was that bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's got but some history. Something happened again in Messina yesterday. Uh, someone has that also announced something pretty massive for the uh, world of cycling. This man is going to be leaving the world of cycling for this year. This is a huge move by the man who's showing us every day he is the strongest rider in the Tour, Vincenzo Nibli. Of the 99th Giro d'Italia. Yes, Tina, the shark of Messina announced his retirement yesterday. It's actually a massive news because he's been around forever and he's won so many things. He he has. Look, he's as we've seen, he's won the Giro twice, the Vuelta, the Tour de France, of course. Seven stages of the Giro, Milan San Remo, uh, Lombardia, so two of the monuments. Uh, seven stages, six stages of the Tour de France. The guy is one of the greats, isn't he, Bridie? Like of this generation, to have won all three Grand Tours. <laughs> 
We'll also look at the Sport, the newspaper, the pink newspaper, devoted three whole pages to him and an editorial. And the thing that's really uh, likable about Vincenzo as well is he's not sort of someone who signed a lot of endorsements. He's not on the side of cereal packets or he's not on the side of buses to advertise watches or anything. Um, he's kind of kept a little bit of a lower profile for I'm sure all manner of reasons, but it means that the Italians kind of love him more. Um, he's not some sort of showman like Alaphilippe, you know, that French. <laughs> are you telling me the Italians, oh, the Italians that was are just subtle. like a, an arrow? <laughs> I'm not sure if it was an arrow in the chest heart. or in the back. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we, we're gonna I would never stab front. you in the back. <laughs> <laughs> Straight in the front. <laughs> you know it's coming. You know it's coming. Um, but look, <laughs> jokes aside, you're spot on. He's so humble, uh, um, Bridie. And I keep, I've referred to it a couple of times. I hope people aren't getting sick of it. But when he won the Tour de France, I was lucky. I got to interview him most days in the mix zone because he was in the yellow for the last half of the race. So you get a little bit of a rapport with him. He wouldn't speak a word of English to me. So we had to, he had to put up with my caveman Italian. And, but he was really respectful. He was. He always gave me time. And on the final day when they used to do the lap of honour, the team was lining up to the, the lap of honour and he wasn't there. And I wanted to get one last shot of him and just a couple of words. You know, what's it like to roll down the Champs-Élysées? His press officer, officer was there and I said, where is he? And he said, oh, he's up there. I, crew, I ran up and there was a group of people, fans, hovered around him, people running up getting selfies, photos. He had one ASO security person. And, he's, and he was standing with his parents and they were just soaking up the moment. Yeah, and nice. I just went, and I can tell you, of the 15 tours I've worked on, I've never seen that from another winner. And that doesn't uh, put down any of the other winners in any way, but just says he's a family person. This is where you're wrong. Because what? we saw it. Who? With Bernal. His dad and his girlfriend were there. Yeah, but that oh, was after. Christoph. But Stop also... ruining a story. He just yeah, also, ruined a story. No can you arrow him in the back now? I'll arrow him where he needs to be arrowed. <laughs> I'm right. You are right. I'm, I'm right. Sorry. But I'm well, right. When I it's first, not about being right. <laughs> when I first told I'm the story four years ago, that hadn't happened. Oh, uh, yeah. That's probably <laughs> what that's probably right. Well, that's true. The Bernal one was actually pretty special as well. There's a question here Good from uh, Davey. Uh, is he the cyclist of the decade? It's a good question. I mean, to win all three Grand Tours, he, I mean, who else has Contador from, from sort of this era? Yeah. Bernal's won two of the three. Froome Should we has won three. Froome? I think Froome is the writer of the decade, Bridie. Well, I think, I think we need to be mindful that writers sometimes get sanctioned for things. We need to count that. When we're looking at a writer of the decade, we could also say we need, we need to look at character or things. They might, if they've served a doping violation, sure, they've come back and served their time and done it. But can we also, do we just pretend that never happened? Because Contador had to serve a doping violation. Uh, Vincenzo hung onto the side of a car at 80k in half for some time. Froome has not had those sorts of um, things associated with him. He's had TUE investigations. So, like Lots of athletes have aspects to their career that people will ask questions about we get that but so i always think you need to just be mindful of the whole picture of their performance i'm going with nibbly then because yeah. of his two monuments it was it was a it was a it was a photo finish between him and Froome. Froome's won four tours he's won two monuments uh Froome hasn't yeah there you go 
and uh, Sharon is saying, and yet again, Valverde is still carrying on. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> and are, are we, are we feel tired and lazy in our 40s. I, I am not writing him off from finishing on the podium either <laughs> this year. I know. Okay, there's lots happening in a, in a Grand Tour. We've seen everything at the Giro. So we try to, when we hear a little bit of stories here and then, try to bring them to you. Uh, this happened to the Lotto car a couple of days ago. So the team for Caleb Ewan. Let's listen. So uh, I see your name popped up on the results sheet last night uh, uh, for getting a fine. I found that hard. You weren't even driving. What happened, mate? <laughs> yeah, I got the fine as being DS1. But, um, yeah, just my driver actually in my car well at the moment we had Caleb had to change a bike so uh, his chain twisted in the crash before so we're in the convoy with Caleb working with him and at the same time we got a call over the radio a motorbike's running to our rider Roger Gluger so he needs a bike change and new shoes so we had two situations unfold and uh Obviously, the driver tried to get to Roger as fast as possible because he couldn't go anywhere without a bike or shoes. And uh, one of the corners, the car sort of just locked up the wheels and, um, yeah, went, just skidded a little bit in the corner. And and uh, at the end of the day, I got a fine for being DS1 for and relegated to last in the convoy for, um, I think it was danger, putting pub, public in danger. So you get a fine for sliding down a corner and not doing any damage and yet their motorbike uh, crashes into the bunch and I didn't see a fine there. Yes, that's correct. <laughs> that was a bit of a loaded question. That, you know what? That last little bit is so very true, isn't true. it, Bridie? Yeah, it is. And I think that, um, look, it's hard to run a race. You know this, Macca. You've run those very important school kid races and even they were half full of pressure with parents hassling you about more what pressure. kind of wheels were kids <laughs> riding in a non <laughs> More pressure, exactly. But you've got to be consistent and you've got to think about rider safety and what was Davis doing to support a rider who, who could have been at risk, you know? So, I, yeah, doesn't, it doesn't settle well, does it? What, no, well, I go the other side saying they, get, they give them the fine, nothing actually happened, yet a motorbike takes out three or four riders, a yes. race motorbike, and nothing is said. And you know what? Nothing is said. And also, let's be frank, you don't even see the replay because they control the broadcast at that point. You didn't well, really yeah, see the replay. and I guess, there's, I guess we need to be to tell the full picture, and correct me if I'm wrong, both of you, however, so that's an RCS motorbike. Yep. It's not a UCI motorbike, but it's the UCI who gives out the fines. Okay. So it's two separate entities, really. So I don't think we can link them. Okay. But I'll still pay out on the we'll UCI just, link them, just because. <laughs> let's link them. Let's throw them in the same box. Yep. Okay. Pigeonhole them. Yep. <laughs> okay. There is a stage happening tonight again, of course, and it's another one for the sprinters. Uh, Maka, take us through the, uh, the, the profile. Yes. Look, it's 192 kilometres. Pardon me to Scalea. Uh, they start to head up the Mediterranean coastline. So up we are towards, back on the mainland. We're back on the mainland, yes. And then we head up there on that coastline heading up towards Napoli. One climb at the start. It's a Category 4. There's a sprint over the top. It, tonight really is a bigger chance for a big mass sprint to the line. I think Quickstep will be hungry. Cavendish will be dirty after yesterday. So too Caleb, even more so. But guess when the final corner is. Any guesses for the final corner? I know, so I'm not going to say. Okay, Bridie, and I'm not, you're allowed to be wrong. I'm not trying to put you on the spot, but have a guess. 
Uh, 3.4 kilometers to go. Can I give the answer? You can give the answer. 100 kilometers away. <laughs> the final corner is 100 kilometers to go. <laughs> so there's time. There's time to get yourself back into position. Is that what I don't know. I don't know. I reckon they should get they should get their formation settled with about 120 k's to go. And also, apparently, yeah, that side of uh, of the country, everything, there's not that much crosswinds, so we won't see any, you know, echelon or anything. We like could this be happening. in for a longish stage. Yeah, mm. but it you know means what is on that side of the country? Beautiful citrus fruit. They call it yep. like that's where quinotto is made, and I think oh, bergamot that they put nice. in tea. So it, it might be not a very exciting stage from an athletic perspective, but it could be very beautiful scenic-wise. Chinotto. Make okay. a note of this I'm just putting it down. <laughs> there you go. Right. Cool. Well, that's the, uh, pretty much the, the end of the podcast for today. Thank you for, for joining us. It's a great stage. Uh, what time are you on? 8, uh, 8.15. 8.15 on demand. And then we switch to the main – well, we stay on demand for the whole night, ad-free. And we switched to um, SBS as well around 10.05, I believe. Okay. Check your guides. Though, well, watch it on demand. It's from kilometre zero, and it's a great, great treat. Tip. Who's Bridie? Who's your tip? Cav. Cav. I was going to go Cav. I'll go Caleb then. Demar. Merde. <laughs> <laughs> hey, once, once, <laughs> once you fly your flag, you fly your flag, okay? You fly the flag. Uh, which? I don't the know. Allegiance. Yeah, which passport are you using when you go to France? Yeah. Australian. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That, on that note. Oh, no, no. Uh, <laughs> That'll be for interrogation thanks, later for our viewers. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. This was the uh, Zwift SBS Cycling Podcast. Before we go, let me remind you that you can uh, download, stream, or subscribe to this podcast on our website, sbs.com.au slash sport or log a ride with our friends at Zwift. Until next time, it's bye for now. Well, hopefully the Giro is inspiring you to ride and has you eagerly awaiting the Tour de France Femme Avic Zwift. Watching the first women's Tour de France for more than 30 years as part of the Couch Peloton would be great, but it would be even better to be in France. And Zwift is giving you the chance to do exactly that as part of a VIP bike tour. Just join the hashtag new rules mission and ride 100 kilometres in game between now and the 15th of May for your chance to be at a historic Tour de France and welcome a new era of women's cycling. For more information on the competition or to start riding and discover how Zwift makes indoor training fun with a free seven-day trial, head to Zwift.com. Thanks for watching or listening while you're riding on Zwift. Ride on and watch the Femme.